Hello, friends of the pod. Dean, Marco, and I are on hiatus this week for various travels, but rather than leave you podless, we decided to dust off one of our most popular episodes from the first year of the show. This episode featured Heather Hatch and PJ Tierney discussing contactless payments. It's still a pretty timely discussion, and it's the perfect refresher before next week's new episode on cryptocurrency and how its adoption is not dissimilar to the slow but sure adoption of contactless. So enjoy this throwback, and we'll be back with new content next week. Thanks, as always, for watching and listening, and stay connected. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. I'm John Martin. And I'm Dean Reverman. Dean, if you recall, way back in the day when we first started this podcast, mm -hmm. one of our earliest episodes was about payments. True. And talking about the whole wide world of payments, where things stand then. A lot has changed yep. since then. Yep. Uh, so today we're going to dive a little further into one particular aspect of payments. That's contactless payments. We have two fantastic yes. guests from that world with us. Yes, we do. Heather Hatch from PAX Technology and PJ Tierney from Evo Payments. Uh, we're going to dive in, talk a little bit about the demand for contact payments. It's a contactless payment, mm -hmm. how that's changed over the last eight months or so. <laughs> so relevant Very now. Very dramatically, yeah. yes. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the hardware updates that might be needed in order to you know, push people to, to make that move and start adopting that yep. technology. Yep. Uh, how are our software partners adapting? And, and get into a little bit about maybe how Bluestar is assisting with this shift. There you go. So, Lots to talk about. That's right. It's mm -hmm. time for us to plug in and get connected. Welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. It's time to get connected. All right, as I mentioned, we've got two fantastic guests from the world of payments on with us. First, Heather Hatch. She is the VP of Business Development from PAX Technology. Heather, welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your role at PAX. Hi, thanks for having me. Excited to be here with you all. Um, my name is Heather Hatch. I'm the VP of Business Development for PAX Technology uh, for North America. I have been with PAX since 2011. PAX itself sells terminals and electronic payment solutions in over 100 countries. Our division manages the United States and Canada for North America. Um, I have been involved in several different aspects of PACS for the nine, 10 years I've almost been here, uh, <clears throat> including semi-integration, which was very important for EMB migration back in 2015, that whole thing we love to go through, as well as um, right now, my focus more on the Android portion of our hardware, as well as the solutions for Android with software and um, into our pack store marketplace to be able to manage those Android solutions. Awesome. EMV migration. Woo. Yeah, I remember we'll, that. We'll, anyway, we'll touch on we'll that. We'll touch on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> our other guest is PJ Tierney. PJ is the VP of Integrated Payments at Evo Payments. Uh, PJ, welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Very excited. Uh, obviously, very relevant topics in today. So excited to be here. Uh, my role, uh, as you stated, Vice President of Integrated Payments, uh, I'm responsible for all business development, onboarding, uh, as well as commercialization of uh, ISVs coming into uh, Evo and uh, integrating in platform for the semi-integration, uh, as well as omni-channel aspects that we offer around payment processing. Uh, Evo. Uh, we are a direct processor. Uh, we do process globally and, uh, for a, the almost 
three years, and I have been in the payment space for over 15 uh, various places as Cayenne, which is now FIS. All right. Very good. Gotcha. So as I mentioned, uh, contactless payments is going to be our broad topic for today. Um, We wanted to kind of hone in on one particular aspect of the payment space. And I I think I want to kick things off and PJ, I'll let you maybe start off with this question here is the demand obviously has changed. You know, this has been a, an unusual year in so many ways, everybody's had to adapt to, you know, figuring out how to get people to, to purchase their items and be able to just buy in general and stores had to figure out how to manage, you know, during the COVID crisis. And obviously, a shift in the way people pay when we weren't sure, you know, was it safe to touch devices? Was it safe to stick your card in something or hand your card to somebody? Mm -hmm. Uh, So contactless became a nice buzzword in so many ways, but especially in the payment space. So tell us a little bit how that demand has changed and also maybe give us a little bit of insight into how does the U.S. compare to the rest of the world, maybe before the pandemic and where we are right now? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's it's funny. I, I view contactless payments in several you know factors. You know, if you just look at the word contactless, you're just, you know, really not touching much of anything to pay. Um, so I encompass a lot of e-commerce transactions or card not present transactions um, into addition, which we consider contactless is usually waving your phone, waving your uh, wearable, uh, whatever it may be to process. Um, so, you, you know, globally, we have seen a slight uptick if you look at the whole entire global scene. Um, over in the United Kingdom and over in Europe, you know, contactless payments have been prevalent for, I would say, close to 10 years or seven to 10 years. Um, so the U.S., I think, had to really catch up in that aspect. Uh, not only did we not have the infrastructure to process those transactions, it just when we were able to, it just wasn't a heavily adopted item. You know, we switched over from MagStripe to EMV, and I think that was a big change just in general. So I think it took contactless and I think some of the innovation uh, that has happened uh, to really catch up with adoption here in the U.S. But, you know, from a COVID standpoint, um, here in the U.S., we're up close to around 68 percent in terms of usage. And that's really from a span uh, from February going all the way to September. Uh, so to see contactless spike uh, or contactless usage spike to 68%, you know, that is, I would say, 10 times over from where we were for the previous five to seven years. Um, in terms of the United Kingdom and Europe, uh, they are up slightly. Um, but again, the uh, it was really a prevalent transaction over there uh, for quite some time. You know, we're also starting to see an increase in uh, credit and debit card usage that have, you know, the same contactless chips inside of them as our phones do and what our phones transmit um, on several platforms. So, you know, people are adopting to it more. I think COVID uh, obviously accelerated um, that growth, especially here in the U.S., but, you know, it offers, uh, you know, various amounts of of uh, of added quality to the consumer. You know, it's an ease of use of pay. Um, it's a simple interaction. Um, and then as the car brands continue and some of the wallet providers to add discounts and loyalty for using those types of cards, you know, I, I think with the combination of all of those things, it's accelerating the growth. Yeah, I, you know, I think the... Um the time it took for the adoption rate has been fascinating to me because, mm-hmm. you know, we talk about this a lot that I, you know, 
we're techie folks, so we all enjoy using technology when it's available. We got our wearables on, Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. And, and I do remember when, like, Apple Pay was introduced on my iPhone. I was like, this is awesome. This is so cool. Right. But then I also remember how frustrating it was when I would go out to a yeah. restaurant or a retail store. And, and the technology wasn't there. Yeah, Or it wasn't they there. did, but, like, the, the associate didn't even understand it. Like, they were like, I right. literally remember going to, like, a sandwich shop once and using my phone or whatever to pay. And the woman behind the counter was like, wow, what did you just do? That was amazing. <laughs> I'm like, it's not, you have the technology. How do you not know what this is? Yeah, like, am I literally right. the first person you've ever seen yeah. do this? She's yeah. like, yeah, I've never seen someone do it before. I'm like, but all I, right. Well. But I think uh, to PJ's point, there was a technology gap there right. in, the, in the beginning that made it very frustrating, you know, Definitely. from from the user experience side. Not there right now, but yeah. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, right. And PJ, I like also that you mentioned the idea that like, I think most people, when we talk about contactless payments, think about just the mobile devices, you know, mm-hmm. your phone or, mm-hmm. you know, or wearable but you know the the credit cards now. I, I, I you probably have the percentages. I think a significant majority of them at this point do have contactless chips. But most people either just don't know that or never actually use it. They're still sticking them into a slot somewhere, not realizing that. Yeah, and I think you know two other aspects. Number one, being able to board those. You know, uh, some of the generations just aren't used to looking at a debit card or using a camera to actually upload the card to their phones. Um, but also with the explosion of peer-to-peer payments, you know, with Venmo and PayPal and Apple Cash and, you know, having the ability to go out with, you know, to dinner with your friends. And when you split a bill, you can instantaneously pay them rather than the I'll owe you $65 and 32 cents. And I'll try to remember that in my head. So it's it's made commerce easier. It's made relationships easier. Um, it kind of just takes all of that friction away. But, you know, I, I think I just look at my mother and my father, you know, they might have an iPhone, but trying to connect a, a credit card to that and then paying with that same exact phone is, you know, light years, light years away and in, in just something very hard to, uh, to get through um, certain types of folks. So but the explosion is there and the in the ease of use is there as well. That's, that's a very good point. You can teach the old dog new tricks, but sometimes there are a right. limit to the number of tricks right. you can teach them. So, <laughs> and I, you know, I work, I think about that every day. I'm like, what am I going to reach that point where I get too old to learn something new? And I'm just like, nope, can't do this. This is beyond me. I'm yeah. done. Like, uh, I, right. I, I'm scared of that day, but I'm sure it's coming at some point. We all get there, I think. Right. So, well, Heather, I want to turn this over to you then. Um, let's talk about hardware. Um, and you referenced it in your introduction to yourself here at the beginning that you've been through the whole EMV thing, which, you know, I had nothing to do with this industry at the time, but I do remember hearing quite frequently how much of a monumental task and order that was to get everybody switched over, to get all the hardware switched over. Well, the I, attempt to do it, right? Yeah. yeah. The I deadlines remember, were there. They got pushed. Exactly. Anyway, yeah. Even just as a consumer, I remember going to stores and like, right. you had that long period there Same where, thing. where you're always like, do I swipe here? Do I plug do I it? What, what am I doing? On here? Or they would have the device, but, it, but then it would still say like, no, sorry, the chip part isn't working Doesn't work. Yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell us a little <laughs> about, you know, maybe kind of refresh us a little on that. And talk about, you know, where is the is there an, as much of an urgency now to switch over to contactless payments and what kind of hardware updates are required to get us there? Yeah, so the days of the posted note over the chip reader of doesn't work. Hopefully, right. hopefully that is gone now. Um, that was make me cringe every time I saw that. <laughs> but so I, I think with contactless payments, cleaner payments, however you want to say this, touchless payments, contactless payments, cleaner payments. It took some hardware, it took some, you know, advancements in software, it took the card brands to get on board with this as well, which they are very behind it with tap to pay and all this. 
It took issuers to issue the cards that had them not just on your phones to use Apple Pay, Google Pay, Samsung Pay, but now everybody probably has a card in their wallet that is contactless. You may just not know it. <laughs> it's a little slip that comes in there. It says, hey, now you can do this on your card. But for the hardware portions, because we had EMV, I know that's like the Voldemort word to say to everybody, <laughs> but because we went through that pain already in 2015, everybody should have a fairly new device, right? Because of the upgrades, the re-terminalizations that happened with EMV. Contactless NFC, near field communications in the hardware has been around for 10 years, right? So we personally never deployed things that did not have contactless options in them. So the, the technology should be there. It may be as something as simple as a software update that they might have to do on those devices. NFC is probably capable in the device for contactless. They might just have to do a software update and you can ask your merchant service providers what that device they have in their store is capable of doing. Um, if they do not have a device that is capable of that, it may not be a PCI valid device they should be using anyway. So maybe this is a good time for them to update that hardware too. And in that solution, these merchant service providers should start going into things of full solutions that we'll get into, I think, with the software, but um, maybe think about switching to Android. So there, if, if your device is so old, it does not have contactless capabilities. I think EMV should have solved most of that, hopefully. We might have some software things to update. One important thing to note with contactless is for a merchant service provider or anybody selling that terminal to that merchant, you must make sure that the device can do EMV contactless. Very important because the card brands will shut down the old way of doing contactless payments very soon. So you do need to be able to do what's called EMV contactless, um, which is just a different certification that we do to like Evo, to, to PJ's company. That's all capable on there. Just make sure you're asking that it is the most updated EMV contactless solution. Yeah, I think there's a very good point there about, um, you know, this is kind of a merging of technologies, not a complete rebrand. Mm -hmm. We're not talking like the EMV situation where we're telling everybody, hey, right. you gotta you got to overhaul everything. you got to mm -hmm. scrap all your hardware, start over again, teach everybody anew, as well as your consumers for that matter too. Mm -hmm. But more of a, hey, this is a way of taking some new technology, incorporating it with what you're already doing. And because that's not going away either, you know, we're, there's still, there's yeah. still the option for EMV chips, you know, maybe someday, you know, I, I think some point down the road, we might finally get everybody on contactless, but I imagine that's going to be a, a much longer transition than trying to shift completely over to the, to the, you know, the chip readers like we had to do before. So I, I guess kind of my next question then is, um, you know, and PG, we'll start with you here when we talk about the software aspect of things. How are our software partners adapting? Like, how has Evo had to adapt, you know, over, the, you know, not just this year, yeah. even, but definitely this year, but even over the last few years as, as this is finally starting to grow and take off here in the U.S.? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, it, it, from a payment acceptance standpoint, you know, we have to make it easier and less cumbersome uh, for ISVs, software providers, as well as companies like PAX to, you know, integrate and work with our solution. Um, you know, so for years, you know, we've, you know, it all started with, you know, you had a server at the back of your location and, you know, you had a direct integration to that, then browser based and everything went up into the cloud. So the ability to have that integration path, 
You know, and now we're starting to work with, you know, these mobile wallet providers to make it ease of use um, online or in store in this omni-channel aspect. So from a, I guess, a payments perspective, we have to, you know, engineer and, you know, have a strong API and coding infrastructure to make it easier for these folks to take the full advantage of, of the various types of payments. Um, that we have now that was, you know, 10 years ago, you would have never thought about it, you know, because it was a simple mag stripe or you just keyed in the transaction. You know, when you've had 30 plus years of processing payments and then over the last 10, you have to add two additional payment types, you know, that's a lot. And, you know, to Heather's point earlier, you know, getting the banks and getting the issue card issuers and everyone up to speed with those changes. Um, it's it's moving at uh, such a fast speed that sometimes it's hard to catch up. But again, as we continue to go down, it um, you know we we have to offer these types of solutions to stay on the cutting edge um, and keeping up with the times. Um, so from, that's how from a payments piece, you know what I see individually is people are now starting to move over to this Android uh, lineup uh, and infrastructure and coding. Um, because of all of the things that they offer um, that they don't necessarily have to code or go to market themselves and they can really just customize it. Uh, so having the choice um, as well as having a, you know, very simple and easy way of doing business uh, has really taken precedent. And I think some platforms uh, have done a much better job of, uh, of implementing those changes across, you know, their whole entire lineup of products. Makes sense. Yeah. Heather, anything you want to add to that part, to, to the, you know, the conversation about software partners and the the adaptation, the integration, maybe what PAX has had to adapt and do differently this year? Yeah, not only this year, this year has really changed everything, right? But I, I think what people from, you know, even this year from the pandemic are looking into are solutions that is not just providing you a box. I realize we make the box, but you have to provide a full solution or there's nothing in it for anybody to do. When it came, when the pandemic hit, the one of the biggest issues people had was, how am I going to do this? How do I do online ordering? And people were doing things and just picking up and trying to make their own online ordering. And in that way, they were kind of violating PCI regulations. I had somebody record a card of mine over the phone. Can't do that, you know. And But quick fixing it, they just didn't know what to do. The issue, from my opinion, is the solutions are there not just packs, all terminal providers, all solution providers, we have Android solutions. If you, you must use as an ISV, as a software provider, I think you should move to Android. It's much easier to deal with that solution. You don't have to have these separated out, you know, full POS solutions and then a payment terminal sitting there. These are all in one computers, all in one system, still keeping the payment secure. In that scenario, you should also be doing with your partners a semi-integration. So. The POS software companies, their core competency is not to deal with the payment. They shouldn't have to deal with the complications we made these payments into when we implemented EMV years ago. Hate to say that word again, sorry. But <laughs> once, once we did that, it is never going to be easy again to do your own payment certification. <laughs> it's just not, right? So you focus on you of what you're doing with inventory management and online ordering and all the great things your POS software does make sure you find a partner that's going to do semi-integration so that that EMV payment to to Evo will, will be secured and all you don't have to worry about updating that every time the card brands make a change. 
So those are really going to what's going to make your solution um, scalable for anything that you want to add in the future. There are apps out there for Android. I know of one that it it tells you if you left the refrigerator door open in a restaurant, right? <laughs> so the food doesn't spoil. But now the devices can be used with Android for more than just a box sitting there to do the payment. You can do these for all, you can run a, your security cameras off of your payment device. The, the Android provides you so much more things you can do and all of the software providers should be getting into that solution. Yeah, that's really that's really good advice because I was going to ask you, you know, when you think about how our economy has changed a little bit, and we've talked uh, in, in past podcasts about the gig economy, mm -hmm. and you think about all the software providers that are out that are that are writing some of this code, you know, around making workflows efficient as it relates to last mile delivery. When we were just talking about sh to ship track and stuff like that, and so I think that's really good advice, Heather, from a software development company perspective. You know, go with that semi integrated partner because. You know, a lot of these folks, they'll, they'll build a nice little app, but the payment part of it, you know, is is they need to get it right, right? So right. finding the right partner on that front uh, as these developers are out there is going to be, is, is critical. It's yeah. critical to yeah. make that work. And I love listening to the two of you kind of talk about how your companies both have to kind of work together. You know, like, I, right. I, I love when I get to talk to two people that kind of work in the same space, but they also acknowledge like, hey, we can't do what we do without them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we all are working together on this right yeah. now. So, right. Yeah. well, I, I, you know, the, my next question, uh, Heather, I want to start with you on this one. Um, you know, I think a lot of times when we talk about contactless payments, and actually I love the clean payment term. I have clean not heard payment. clean payments. I, I know. See, we that. all learned something today. I know. I love that term. It's a very, it, it's a very clean clean term to use. <laughs> so when, when people are talking about this, I think we often talk about it with restaurants or general retail. Like, mm -hmm. But in my mind, there's plenty of other industries, and to be honest, any industry where you're paying for something that should be using this kind of technology. But in your mind, you know, are there, are there any in particular where you feel like, hey, there's a real opportunity to incorporate clean, contactless, touchless payments into your space that maybe they're not, you know, readily identifying? I could not think of one area. So let me put myself in my consumer mind a little bit. I'm a bit of a germaphobe. And for me, in knowing what happened when we, you know, launched this and how people were putting the weird plastic over the terminals and spraying them and stuff like that in, in the pandemic, the best and cleanest way to do a payment and still the most secure way. Security, if you're doing a contactless payment is a secured transaction is to do a contactless payment. I stopped going to one of the the smoothie places that I like down the street because they had contactless for a while. Something changed. They took it away. I don't go there anymore. So consumers are really looking for: Is this going to drive, you know, your merchants to be able to have solutions to say, I need to make that consumer comfortable to walk into my store, whatever I do, and make them feel okay and make them feel like they're secured. So think about transit, right? Mm. I'm not walking through a subway without doing a contactless to go through the gate. Mm. Think about bus stations. Tran transit's huge for, for contactless at this point. Um, so you have lots of things going on with Apple and that solution as well. Uh, I can't think of, and even with online ordering and contactless payments, if you're going to do an online order and even come curbside pickup, they should still be bringing you a device that you could still do a contactless payment, even if you're paying at the curb. Um, the days in restaurants, restaurants, the reason we kind of focus on restaurants at this point is um, 
there there are still a lot of restaurants where you go sit down, they put your card in that restaurant thing and they walk off, right? You, you cannot do that anymore. You should be bringing the device to the table and you should be doing a contactless payment from, from the table as well. So if, if you're not making your consumers feel comfortable, then you're gonna have issues. And this is not, to my opinion, a change that's just gonna happen until that there's a vaccine. I think this is a true shift of the way all payments are gonna go for all of these stores, retail, restaurant, healthcare, um, government, anything you're thinking of, services, this is gonna make a, ma a major shift change total. There is, we're not going back, right? <laughs> we're always gonna go to this cleaner payments way of doing things. I got one for you, John. Back when we go back traveling someday, I don't think I'm getting in a taxi cab or, or you know, without they better have contactless payments. Let's just put yep. it that way, because I can remember, you know, you, you pull up to your destination. Well, at least I'm up in Canada a lot. And so in Canada, you know, you get to your destination. If you have an independent cab driver, they've got the little portable, you know, device, credit right. card reader, and they hand it back to you. And, the, and and back in the day, that didn't seem so bad right. when you were when you weren't in the middle of a pandemic. But now, I didn't like it then either. I'll be honest. <laughs> right, honest. But I mean, that, with Heather. <laughs> that's a high touch, you know, device. And yeah. I guess the restaurants and stuff like that. And another area where it's high touch. Anything like that, gotta go. Gotta go. Pay. Uh, um, uh, yeah, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, contactless payments right. or clean payments. Um, and then the final one was um, when I when you fill up your car, you know, at the gas station. Yep. Why were they so so long to get into the EMV, Heather? I mean, is that a? It wasn't a yeah. technology thing. It just seemed like gas stations were like the last ones mm -hmm. to to get into now, that. I do think um, with Petro, uh, you know, the the deadlines have moved back a bit and. It's not, they, they have very complicated infrastructures to deal with all those systems for the pumps. Gotcha. Uh, not to mention to even go and touch one of those pumps is extremely expensive. Uh, so they, they do have a mandate to get everything updated. And you're starting to see, I'm starting to see um, the Petro solutions are starting to come out as modular. So they don't have to change the pumps. They're just putting in a contactless reader into the pump, right? And then an EMV reader and the pin pad and usually a video screen that's showing you all the crazy ads and things when, right. when you're standing there. The modular part of that works well. The software part for Petro is very complicated. So that's why that's that's been delayed a bit. Yeah, and I think all verticals are really going contactless. You go, you know, the unattended space right now is on fire. You know, you go into a McDonald's now and you're ordering through a kiosk. Um, and you're paying for everything right there and you're it's very interactive and you're going into more digital signage as well you know there was also i you know you were stating earlier um about how you know eventually will everything go contactless you know i think the bigger question that a lot of people are asking will you ever go cashless you know if you look at levi stadium out in san francisco once people are allowed to come back into a stadium there's no cash you know, and I think people are now starting to adopt to that. It's, you know, very efficient. You know, you pay them, you know, a percentage rate, obviously, to process that transaction. But all of the efficiencies that it can add to it, um, I think, are paying off dividends. You know, parking lots, not having someone there to, you know, have someone park or like I you know, mentioned before in terms of the kiosks. And, you know, I, I, I think there's you know, a huge demand in the unattended space, um, similar to gas pumps as well. Those are unattended. 
Yep, absolutely. In fact, we just had a conversation recently with Kristen uh, over at ELO, and she was talking about, uh, you know, kiosk and, and the unattended type of the way that our society is really kind of pivoting more to that type of need of a mm-hmm. solution, whether it's in retail, whether you're at a stadium, whether you're at public transit. I mean, you know, that is an option that people want uh, in contactless payments, and there's going to have to be a, a, a part of it. Yeah, and, and I just think of nothing else like – it's going to be nice to be able to go and pay for something and not have to have thought ahead of time. Like, mm-hmm. do I have money on me? Do mm-hmm. I have my card on me? Do right. I have my phone no. on me? I mean, no one, wants to, time. Yeah, yeah. no one wants to have to think about that anymore. And, and, and I've said it a million times, we don't forget these. No. You know, like... You don't go anywhere without like your phone. No, almost no one ever forgets this. That's the right. one thing you have with you that you almost always remember. You know, even if I don't have cash, if I somehow forgot my wallet, I've probably got that. And most of what I need should be there for me. Yeah, true. So, well, last question I want to ask, and, uh, you know, this is one of those questions I should probably honestly know more about because I'm going to ask you about Blue Star. And if our, <laughs> if our, if Jason and, and Toby, our payments gurus were on, they'd probably be yelling at us that we don't have the ready answer about this. Right. But yeah. I actually want to hear this from your perspective, though, is, you know, how is Blue Star helping out with this shift? You know, how, how have we helped you and how are we working together to make this shift easy and possible for our VARs and their customers? Yeah, I think, you know, um, events like these, honestly, and getting the word out, you know, for payments, it's such a small piece of your business. You know, I I try to, you know, understand our role in all of this, but we are a small piece, Um, but we are an important piece for certain verticals that need to accept payments within their business and, you know, make, you know, efficiency a lot easier. Um, so I think events like these, and then also being able to make the ease of use of ordering devices or equipment, um, and then implementing those uh, within the organization. So, you know, Blue Star helps on the distribution piece, as well as the educational piece, and being able to put these products at the forefront. Heather, what about you? What do you think? How, how are we helping you out? I think Blue Star is known for solution selling. And I think all these, you know, solutions that PJ and I are talking about today require you to not sell a box anymore, but to sell the full solution to somebody. So you really have to get into, you know, what the bars are asking you, what they're requiring of their their consumers and their merchants, and who needs who needs these solutions. It's not just selling them a printer anymore. It's selling them, you know, a full solution that they can do so much more with. And I think. Even from the payment side, even though we might have been a little smaller before in the Blue Star area, I think that that black and white is no more black and white. Now there's this gray area and Android is what's kind of combining all of this together. So, you know, again, we're not just trying to sell you a box that does some secure payments. Very important. Don't forget the secure payments. But we're trying to sell you something that you could use to manage your entire business and your full solution. So. I think Blue Star does a good job of going out and doing that full solution selling to, to their buyers and their merchants. Solution selling is where it's all about. Thanks, Heather. I, I totally agree with you. And in, in, in picking up on what PJ was saying uh, as well, you know, events are important. When you think about our Tech Connect program, it's really important. You know, what's important to Evo and PAX also is is the software community. Our Tech Connect program is all about that, is, is embracing the software development companies that are trying to get into the channel. And to PJ's point, you know, for those of them that do get into a solution that has a payment, you know, it might 
be a small part of, of the overall solution in their minds, but man, such a critical part. I mean, critical part that they got to get right. Uh, and we have to be able to introduce them to the right partners like the folks we have on today so that we can have that holistic solution and, and be in the forefront of these solution developments uh, so that the payments integrated and those types of things and so that the overall go-to-market strategy on a particular solution. And believe you me, there's a lot of them out there. We're talking to blockchain folks and AI folks and you know they, they've got great ideas. But again, when it comes back to the payment, they need to be introduced to, mm-hmm. to folks like Evo and PAX so that the overall solution can be right coming out of the gate. Yeah, I think that's where the uh, the value-add idea of a value-added reseller really kicks in. Absolutely. Because you're not just going in and saying, hey, I got some point-of-sale software to right? sell you. I may have a payment terminal. Maybe I know a little bit about some software or something. Mm-hmm. But instead going in and saying, hey, look, I'm going to get you from start to finish everything you're going to need because I know the right people that I can go to that can introduce you to the right people that'll get you hooked up. Yep. Absolutely. No doubt about it. Well, this has been a great conversation about uh, contactless, touchless, clean payments. I still love I that like term. clean. Yes. I do. Uh, <laughs> but we, we do want to move on to our recurring segments. Before we do that, I want to thank, as always, our founding members. That is uh, Elo, Epson, Honeywell, and Zebra. Thank you so much. We could not be doing this show without you. Uh, and hey, you know, if you like the show and you you know want to give us some feedback, please feel free to get on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating and review. Uh, it's how we get some traction and build some audience for the show. Plus, you leave us a question or a comment there. We might actually read some of those on air. Uh, But, you know, beyond that, if you have any particular questions for us about this episode, about payments, maybe you want us to to connect you with Heather or PJ, you can always reach out to us on Twitter. That's at TechConnectPod or email us techconnect at bluestarinc.com. All right. As I mentioned, I want to wrap up with Value to the VARs, one of our first two recurring segments. This is where we kind of take our entire conversation as a whole, try to wrap it up in a nice little package with a bow on top Mm -hmm. uh, and talk to our VAR audience directly. And the question I have for you, and uh, Heather, I'll let you kick this one off. You know, what what should VARs do to help retailers or anybody who's wanting to get into contactless clean payments? How do you help them get over that hurdle? So there's a lot of educational resources out there for for people to use right so the the united states payment swarm has a great faq site that you can go look to for contactless payments there's all kinds of payment experts like myself and pj that you can contact and and ask all these questions most of our websites have information on contactless and cleaner payments as well um really it's it's kind of do some research and the more you know not to sound like an nbc commercial, mm-hmm. but really know your solutions, the back and forth of what your options are going to be. Because if you're not knowing what you're selling to them, and you don't know, well, I know I can see this terminal, but I'm not really sure what you need to do it. So really do the research in the background to figure out what version of software do I need to be on. This person uses Eva, I want to make sure that I do EMV contactless payments. So I need to be on this version of this hardware, whatever hardware they're working with. Um, So really know your solutions and know your options for them. There's a lot of great solutions out there. There, There's not just packs. I'm not going to just shove packs down your throat. Everybody has a ton of great solutions. In my opinion, Android is the way to go right now. So I would be focusing more in that direction because there's a little bit more you can do with it. Um, But I, I think you really have to make sure that whatever solution you are going to pick as the one you're going to be able to sell as a value added reseller has all the boxes checked. You have everything that you need in that solution and you know how to speak to all of those different solutions as well. 
So I, I would go make, do your research and make sure you pick a good one and then okay. you'll be fine. PJ, same question for you. Uh, you know, how do you recommend that our bars help uh, their customers ever overcome this hurdle? Yeah, I think, you know, Heather hit, hit a lot of the, the, the topics right on the head, you know, maybe to summarize, you know, they're a partner for a reason. Um, you know, and I think, you know, now is the time to have, you know, bigger, deeper, you know, more intent conversations with them. And because these are all relevant topics, um, especially during this, um, this pandemic that we're going through and just understanding, you know, not only how, what your product is backwards and forwards, um, but also how to implement it with ease. You know, here as a society, we have gotten used to everything very being very easy at the touch of your hands and being and being able to implement it almost in a in a matter of seconds. You know, with I think software and some of our ISVs and some of our our partners, you know, making sure that these things are able to work um, and being able to implement them in a very seamless uh, way and taking away that friction um is i i think really what a reseller has to bring to the table and to your point earlier they are a value-added reseller and these are the value adds that they can bring where they're a trusted partner and an advisor and they can make it seamless and easy and taking away the the, the, the friction that may have been there with uh with other providers and you know i got another way john my answer to that question would be you know how do you help retailers or and or hospitality get into the contactless world. I'm going to go to Heather's story. I mean, thank you, Heather, for being candid and, and admitting she's no longer going to her favorite, uh, what, whatever it was, uh, the place where you I get... I won't say the name. It was a smoothie right, place. Smoothie place. <laughs> yes. Won't go to her favorite smoothie place because they don't have contactless payments. If I was a reseller trying to sell, you know, whatever, retail or hospitality customer of mine, Think of all the Heathers are out there, and, and Heather would admit it. So, so now you know there's at least four, five, six other ones out there that just aren't simply going to do business with you anymore, you retailer, you hospitality entity, because you don't have this solution. So you got to get it into your mix. Uh, there's resources. Hopefully the reseller has that those resources that they can do it. But, man, to me, that's where society's going. you got to have it or think of all the business that isn't coming in the door. Yeah. And we've talked about this before. You know, the, again, we, I, I'm going to say it again, the premium that is now being put on customer experience when people do go out and, you know, however risky you think it is, but if, if when people do go out and they visit locations, they're putting a premium on the customer experience. And if you don't have contactless payments for that percentage today, which is a little, maybe a little bit smaller than it's going to be, you know, six months from now, even bigger percentage of people that are going to demand and want contactless payments, it's there. You, you got to yep. respond to it. Yeah. That's what I would be telling them. No, I completely agree. Yeah. And, you know, and I think also, um, and this is where we come in, you know, that there's a reason why we have a payments team. Right. There's a reason why if you go to bluestarring.com, there is an entire section there all about payments because we understand that, you know, mm. from our distributor standpoint, we're, you know, we're out there putting out the hardware, but we get to back to Heather's and PJ's point both that, you know, that's not all you need. Like you, you've got to have this holistic environment. You've got to mm -hmm. have this broad solution. Mm -hmm. So we want to make it as easy as possible for you to find that solution. Mm -hmm. So don't hesitate to reach out to us. Don't hesitate to lean on us because we've got great folks that, that we can go back out to and, and, yep. and introduce you to in order to get you that. Solutions that, are that there. Yep. Absolutely. Exactly. All right. Well, let's wrap up with our favorite segment every week. It's what's tech connecting with you. Yep. Uh, this is where we just get to talk about some kind of fun, cool piece of tech or something interesting 
interesting. Does it have to be clean about. since that's the word mm-hmm. of the podcast? I mean, it, it could you know, be clean. If you find a way to make it clean, sure, you know. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it doesn't have to have anything to do with payments today. Just whatever cool and technology is exciting you. We've covered the gamut of topics, but I'd love to hear from you guys. What technology is tech connecting with you? PJ, I'll let you start. Um, yeah, you know, I, I like to see all of these, you know, great startups um, that are specific in uh, that are in niche verticals um, and what they're offering as a value add, you know, and, you know, to, the other thing that I find amazing is some of the companies that are actually now starting to look at these, you know, with all of the mergers and acquisitions that are happening. You know, with MasterCard and American Express and Visa buying it, you know, I know I'm segmenting to payments, but, you know, you can put it across any vertical. But these smaller startups that are really innovative um, and to my point earlier of making life simple in terms of how people interact and do commerce on a daily basis, wherever it may be, um, I find it fascinating. Um, Obviously, I'm a payments geek. Um, for lack of a better word. So, you know, when I start to see, you know, all of these loyalties and discounts for you to actually pay with these types of, um, to, to, to have commerce and pay for these items, I think is fascinating. You know, my son, he six years old and loves McDonald's like any of us did um, with Happy Meals. And we all have those vivid memories. Um, but for me to go on to the app, being able to order everything, pull into a curbside spot, and I saved $5 on a six-piece chicken McNugget and a large fry. I think that's awesome. You know, it's a very easy, clean experience. I can sit in my car. I don't have to go in and buckle him. And then handing that bag to him to see him as joy. I don't, it's, it's pretty cool to me. Yeah, I have to hard agree on that. I mean, I've many times talked about how much I love the the contact of this world and just being able to to do something that I have to interact with a bunch of people or get mm-hmm. in a line. Mm-hmm. And you're right. That's one of my favorite things. I don't go to McDonald's a lot, but what I do, I love being able to look and see that giant line wrapping around the store and go, no, I'm just going to go park in this space over here, <laughs> punch, a, punch a couple buttons on my app, and they're going to bring the food out to me. And in the meantime, like you're watching the line and it's not getting any shorter and you probably get your food long before you would have if you'd sat in that yeah. line at all yeah, time. Yeah. So I like where you were going, yeah. PJ, and your thought process there, the, the niche app developers. Man, we are in tune with that. Uh, I'm, we're, we get geeky on that too. So it's okay to be a geek and be on, on that because it's fascinating what's happening in the wild west of app development right now. It is indeed. It's really cool. Heather, what's tech connecting with you? I'm, I'm going to stick with the clean parts because okay. that's my, that's yes, my happy that's your place. Word. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Either. But, you know, just from the pandemic, it's exciting to see all these companies that have come out and immediately and the the quickness they came out with some of these solutions to you know we always had the contactless thermometers right but now they have contactless elevator panels that you don't have to click the button anymore there's an app you can put on your phone that will call the elevator and get you and you don't have to touch anything um some of the cooler ones i have you know think about the dining pods have you seen those crazy things out outside in like new jersey and stuff with the restaurants those are greenhouses and they were like well i want to stay in business so i guess i'll just start doing this type of it people are being extremely creative um the beauty and the beauty part of this the the beauty industry has really gone through a massive app upgrade you have companies like ulta that have apps that you can take a picture and try on different shades of your makeup you want to do and then online order it and you're done 
um, Lush makes a soap that in 30 seconds for you and your kids will dissolve. When the soap dissolves, you know you're done washing your hands, right? So all of these different types of companies that have come out and really responded to this pandemic, not just the mask makers, although that's a big part of this, um, but the the one company that made the first door handle, you guys have all seen those that you put on your keychain now, and now you don't have to touch the door to open it. Yep. Some of these smallest, what I call post-it note creators, um, have come out with some pretty amazing things to help us at least get through the pandemic with with a few laughs or make us feel a little bit more comfortable, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, those are know, good ones. You. Uh, obviously, you know, there's there's a terrible cost to this pandemic that we all wish we didn't have to deal with. But it is always nice to say, to at least look, be able to look back at some point and say, hey, there's a lot of amazing innovations that came Absolutely. out of that trying time for yeah. us that, that that's going to improve our future. I'm sure that happens anytime there's a giant crisis of this nature. But this no year in particular, man, there's 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 been such a need to just accelerate in so many different ways. Yep, yep, Dean, what about you? Yep, What's tech yep. connecting? Well, you? hey, I'm going to continue with the theme then okay. of contactless, but in a different way. Uh, so we all we all imagine the day when we just have to sit at our home and the drone will will deliver our packages, right? We've talked about how Amazon was looking into it and all that kind of good stuff. Well, my tech connect today is is drones, but but it's real. Mm -hmm. Walmart is piloting the use of drones to deliver COVID nineteen test kits. So here's here's the here's what they're testing. Uh, you have to be within a mile radius of one of their test stores, and they've got these drones, you know, set up. I guess out in the parking lot but you can order a covid test from walmart and a drone will zzz, and then it'll take off from walmart deliver it to your house you have to be in a single residence they don't do apartments right. yet they'll deliver the test but then they'll also pick it up and bring it back uh they're partnering up with uh whatever a healthcare provider i forget the name quest diagnostics so uh so they're they're doing the actual you know facilitating of the test but but it's here, John. It's yeah. here. You know, we've talked about, <laughs> oh, drones and maybe not drones. But here's Walmart testing it in a real-world use case of talk about contactless. Yeah, no you don't want to contact a, a COVID test, right? I mean, right. at least... Thank God for the for the frontline workers that that do uh, that are in that world. But but yeah, right. I mean, you know, it's just it's a perfect use of that technology. But it's good to see that it's actually being used. Yeah. So September twenty second, they did their their first test. That's fantastic. Kind of cool, huh? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right. So um, for me, my tech connecting this week, um, I, I was struggling to think of one. You, you know, and we were just talking about it before we started recording. So I thought of a, a science fiction show that I'm watching right now because you know science fiction always has cool and interesting tech in it. And uh, there's a new show on HBO Max. Um, so not not HBO, but HBO, HBO Max, Max, which okay. is their new, kind of like their new streaming service that if you already did HBO, you have Max. I don't, it was a very confusing start to this service. <laughs> I have it. That's all I cared about. I was like, okay, great. So they've got a show called Raised by Wolves, okay, which is produced, and I think even the first two episodes were directed by Ridley Scott, who you might remember oh, from Alien, sure, Blade Runner. Yeah. Like this is one of the, the classic science fiction directors who's done right. some amazing stuff and, and it always has a very future thinking kind of process to his filmmaking. So Raised by Wolves, to give you a very simple synopsis, and I'm not super far into it yet. I think I'm not, I'm not caught up in all the episodes that are out. But basically, we're somewhere in the future where there has been a uh, some kind of rift or war that occurred on Earth, I, I believe, between like religious factions, basically, mm, like a okay. religious war, essentially, yep. that, you know, 
divided the entire earth into two factions and the world was not able to handle it. So people were leaving earth. So there's been a, there's been some people that left and got on a nice, like an arc type vehicle to go off into the cosmos and find another world to inhabit. Got it. But then there was the other faction sent like two androids. So there's these two android beings who were sent with a bunch of embryos to go to this plant, to try to get to this planet first and set up shop and grow the embryos and start a little family. Okay. There. All right. And it's a very bizarre show because at first you're not quite understanding what's happening. Yeah. You get it, but like you're not quite sure where the beats where are. Where it's going, and right. What, mm-hmm. what it all yep, means. Yep, yep. But you start off focusing on the these two androids who are, they call themselves mother and father, raising these children in this harsh environment, trying to figure out how to, to make them survive while also still being semi- you know, android and robot like, sure, but sure. You know, having some affectations of humanity, and then like you know, as you get further in, you you know, you discover some of the other humanity that's still left, and some interactions occur between them. And then there's a point also where you get to learn a little bit more about the androids themselves and understand what they're capable of, and like the very potentially violent nature that exists within them. But mm. there's a lot of cool technology, obviously involved, and more importantly, I've always been a big fan of Ridley Scott because, especially as filmmaking has progressed and mm-hmm. as movie making technology has progressed, he has been someone who has found a way to take all the cool new tech and incorporate and it into it in. his style, yeah, and make it just look beautiful. Like mm-hmm. the, uh, some, the man can like frame a just a beautiful, gorgeous like scene. Like some of his newer Alien movies that he did, like Prometheus mm-hmm. and Alien Covenant, which were not great movies overall, but they're amazing to look at films. They're the kind of movie when I, I see the cinematography and I see just the design of alien worlds and vehicles, I'm so just wow enamored by it. Yes. yes and yes. this show very much has that raised same kind by of, wolves raised by wolves all right thing. but yeah. they're not actually wolves no okay right. the wolves the... are theoretical <laughs> yes, you know, it's, it's, right. it's an analogy there so. you go there you go so that's what's cool. connecting with us uh heather pj i want to thank you guys so much for being yes, on the show thank today. you we both very much we know more about clean payment that's right, right? Yeah. Gonna, that's gonna be my new buzzword <laughs> now yes, on yes. clean payment. so you guys are awesome thank you Thank you so much. It is time for us to unplug. So next, until next time, please stay connected. The Tech Connect podcast is brought to you by Elo. Need a powerful enterprise-ready engine for POS applications? Elo Pack delivers. Backed by the security and infrastructure of Windows-based system, it provides the power needed to run a business. From point-of-sale terminals and self-service kiosks to automation controls, the Elo Pack offers the connectivity and durability to thrive under the demands of continuous use while boasting a smaller footprint in both size and weight than the commercial-grade PCs. To learn more, visit Elo's microsite on bluestarinc.com or contact your Elo representative. Approximately 80% of today's workforce do not work at the desk. Highly mobile and deskless workers often rely on a mix of communication methods to stay in touch and perform collaborative tasks. Training and support is patchy in security and afterthought, making administration an endless headache for IT. Honeywell SmartTalk is a unified workforce communication application that tackles the problem of fragmented communications with enterprise-grade security for voice calling, text, and media messaging, and user presence, all from one device. Ready to add smarter communications to your mobile device? Contact your Blue Star Honeywell representative today. When associates need an answer from a supervisor, a price check, or an item availability, the inability to quickly connect with colleagues can mean the difference between a sale or an unhappy and impatient customer taking their business elsewhere. 
For a simple solution, Zebra offers the right-priced EC30 mobile device for your unconnected worker. The ultra-portable, pocketable, and wearable EC30 is a durable device providing the right mobile voice and data features to keep your team talking and working efficiently. To learn more about the perfect affordable enterprise companion, visit Zebra's microsite on bluestarinc.com or contact your Blue Star representative.